0: Well, I will begin this morning by having you all open up your Bibles, if you have one with you, to the Gospel of John chapter 11. John is in the New Testament, of course, one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and we're looking for John chapter 11. Here in John chapter 11, we can learn of a man named Lazarus. He was a very close and personal friend of Jesus Christ while Jesus walked on the earth here. And Lazarus had passed away. We read about that here in chapter 11. And Jesus had gotten word of this fact and he had made his way to the town of Bethany where Lazarus had lived along with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, we read in this chapter about how Jesus had delayed his arrival to be with this family when he heard that Lazarus was sick. Uh, Jesus didn't go there right away. Uh, He delayed in going there. And Martha, one of the sisters of Lazarus, was very upset by the fact that Jesus didn't come sooner. And she expressed that fact to Jesus. She was very upset with him. She thought that had Jesus been there earlier, he would have been able to heal Lazarus and to save Lazarus and thereby prevent his death. But if you look down and read with me now at verses 25 and 26 of John chapter 11, here you'll see where it says that Jesus said to her, so Jesus is speaking to Martha here, and he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is what Jesus said to Martha here. So again, Martha thought that, again, if Jesus had been there earlier and hadn't delayed his coming, Lazarus would have never died in the first place. So as Jesus expresses here to Martha, what we see in verses 25 and 26, he concludes that statement with a question. And the question that he asked to Martha there is, do you believe this? And I want to present to you on this day in which we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that this question that Jesus asked Martha at the end of verse 26 here, it still remains today. Same question has to be asked of all of us. And that is, is, do you believe this? That is, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, as he said here? And do you believe that by believing in him, you will never die? Again, keep in mind here, when I say never die, keep in mind here that Jesus says this to Martha at a time when her brother Had just passed away. He had just died. She thought it was too late. And if we were there in Martha's sandals at that time, we would probably be feeling the same way. We would think the same thing. Lazarus, her brother, was completely dead and his body had been prepared for burial. He was wrapped up and he was already in the tomb. And here Jesus is saying something like this that if someone believes in him, they will never die. Now, before I continue talking with you about this here this morning, there's something else I want to show you. So go ahead and mark this page somehow, because we're going to come back here to this page. But for now, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and I want you to find verse 54. So we're staying right here in the Gospel of John. John chapter 6, verse 54. Now, just to set the scene here about what's taken place as you read this chapter. um, Jesus had said something here to his disciples and to the hundreds of people that were kind of following Jesus around at that time. Jesus had said something to them that seemed rather strange to them. Jesus said to them in verse 54 there that Whoever eats his flesh and drinks his blood has eternal life, and he will raise them up at the last day. Well, as you can probably imagine, this came as quite a shock to the people that were there with Jesus at that time to hear this. What in the world was Jesus talking about when he said that if they eat his flesh and drink his blood, they would have eternal life and be raised up someday? right? Resurrect it someday, right? But if you look down and read with me from verse 63, so we're in the same chapter here, John chapter 6, look down at verse 63. Jesus says to them here, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So Jesus wasn't providing for them a physical remedy, but rather a spiritual remedy. You see, Jesus was telling them here that his words were to be taken spiritually. His words are spirit and his words are life. Jesus was speaking to them about believing in him. That's what He's speaking to this group of people here in chapter 6 as well. Believing in Him, placing their faith in Him. It's about having His life consume your life through your faith in Him. And that's what Jesus was talking about here. And back there in John chapter 11, where He tells Martha, Lazarus' sister, He tells her that the person that believes in Him will never die, He is not saying that they will never experience physical death. He is simply pointing out something spiritual to Martha. And that is is that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. We can have abundant life. And we can have the power of His resurrection living within us 365 days a year for our entire life. And then just go on to be with Him for all eternity after this life is over. So Resurrection Sunday, what we call Easter, is not something to be commemorated just one day a year in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. It's 365 days a year that we know the life of Christ within us. And we'll talk more about that. But let's go ahead and turn back to John chapter 11 if you haven't already but I wanted to point out to you that Jesus is speaking about something spiritual to Martha here, right? But I'd also like to further discuss with you these two verses. I wanna stick on these two verses here in John chapter 11, that's verses 25 and 26. Again, we've already said that, or read that Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, in the Greek, which is, where we get our English version of the Bible here. It's translated from the Greek. And in the original Greek, anastasis is the word that is used there for the word resurrection. And the the word simply means a raising up. Okay, so that's what resurrection is, a raising up. And of course, it pertains to a raising up from the dead. Jesus is stating here that he is the authoritative one, that he is the one with all authority over death. He is the resurrection. He is letting Martha know that he has the power to raise people up. But he also says there in verse 25 that he is also the life. And the Greek word there for the word life is the word zoe, which means life to its Fullness. You see, a lot of times we use words, you know, just in a casual sense, and we might use the word life in a very simple manner, but here the word speaks of a power-filled life, a full life, an abundant life. All of us have life in this room or we wouldn't be here. Everyone in the world alive today, of course, has life. But do we have the life? that Christ gives, the abundant life, the power-filled life, the zoe, which is the Greek word here. If you want, you can just briefly look back at chapter 10 here in the Gospel of John. Since you're so close to it, it may just be on the same page where you are or one page back. But in John chapter 10 and verse 10, you'll see where Jesus says that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy i have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly so you see this is the life that jesus gives us an abundant life but he speaks here of an enemy someone that comes to steal to kill and to destroy and there is an enemy to your soul right someone that loves to see you down Someone that loves to see you depressed and miserable or whatever. And the enemy of your soul will play with your mind. He'll do anything just to keep you from knowing the truth about Jesus Christ and the abundant life that Jesus wants you to have, right? The enemy of your soul wants to keep you. It may be voices in your head that tell you you're no good, you're this, you're that, that keep you down, whatever it may be, right? But Christ wants to come into you and give you an abundant life. And he wants you to know the power of his resurrection. Satan, whom the Bible calls the God of this age, right? Not the capital G God, but the small g, God of this age, right? He's the God of this world system as we now know it. The one that wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy, right? He desires for you to remain in darkness and despair and to to stay unaware of the truth, the life that Jesus Christ gives you. But to the contrary, Jesus himself came into the world as God in the flesh so that you, so that we, can have abundant life, life to the full, that Zoe life, that power-filled life. So Jesus himself is the one with all authority over the resurrection. The one with the power to raise us up, to change who we are, to give us new life, to give us eternal life. will pass from this life on into eternal life, right? And the question remains, do you believe this? Like Jesus asked Martha here. Are you fully committed to live in accordance with these facts? You see, with Jesus, we do not have to have a whole hum-hum-drum, woe-is-me kind of life, right? Instead, He comes by His Spirit into the person that commits their life to Him and that believes in Him. And I want to talk a little bit more about what it means to believe here in just a little bit, right? But His Spirit will come into that person and give them abundant life. The Spirit of the Lord gives us the fruits of the Spirit that the Bible talks about. In other words, because of the Spirit of the Lord is within us, something gets produced inside of us and we become different on the inside and we become filled with love, joy, patience, self-control, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, right? These are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This we experience placing our faith completely in Jesus Christ, committing ourselves to Him and the power of His resurrection, a life that is filled with the presence of God indwelling us on a daily basis, not just a religion, not just something we do on Sundays or one day a week or whatever, but it's something we experience and we know every day. But again, the question remains, do you believe this? Martha, the sister of Lazarus, was, of course, as you can imagine right here, at this point in her life, with her brother just passing away, she was as down as she could get, right? Her brother, whom she loved dearly, had gone. But Jesus simply wanted her to believe in who he was. He wanted her to believe that he had all authority over death and life. He was the one that could raise the dead back to life again. And without Jesus Christ, everybody is spiritually dead. Everybody is spiritually dead without knowing Jesus Christ, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? Now, I'm going to dig even deeper with you here and talk to you about, again, what it means to believe. Because I keep asking the question, I keep repeating the question here that Jesus asked this woman, Martha, here, where he said, do you believe this? So then, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Is it like believing in fairy tales? You know, believing in this or that, right? So what what does it really mean? Because the Bible says that the demons believe and tremble. At the name of Jesus so so what is it what's special about it and what does it really mean to believe in these two verses that is verses 25 and 26 Jesus uses the word believe or believes three times so what does this mean well the word believe in the original Greek is the word piste right Now, I'm not trying to teach you Greek here this morning because I myself don't know it, but it is important that we understand this life that Jesus wants us to have while we are here on the earth today. What is it that he desires for us? How does he desire us to live this life as our God, our Lord, right? It's important to understand what it means to believe in Jesus. And this word believe here is a verb, right? And if you remember from your own schooling, right, a verb is a word that requires an action. A verb requires an action. So to say that you believe is to say that you are committed to, that you have full confidence in whatever you're believing in. In this case, it's believing in Jesus Christ, and it's something that requires an action. So you have to live in a certain way, right? You believe in such a way that your life shows it. Everybody knows it. You confess it with your mouth, right? You believe it in your heart. You confess it with your mouth. You actually live it out on a daily basis. Again, the power of the resurrection is 365 days a year for the believer in Jesus Christ. It's not just a once a year holiday. The true believer in Jesus Christ lives their life with total confidence in the fact that because of Jesus Christ, you will never die. And while you live this temporary life here, you will live in such a manner that is not a a humdrum, miserable experience, but rather it is a faith-filled, abundant life in Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? You see, before I knew Jesus, I was miserable, tormented in my head, and and spiritually dead, just like everyone is spiritually dead without coming to Jesus. But I came to know that Jesus has a different life for me to live, right? It wasn't a life that religion could give to me. It wasn't a life that no career, no job, no amount of money could give to me, what Jesus Christ could give to me, right? And not only this, But for the one that believes in Jesus, Jesus says that he has gone to prepare a place for us, an eternal home in heaven. But again, while we're here and before we get there, he wants to lead us through this life by his Holy Spirit and give us abundant life, a life filled of hope, okay? So again, do you believe this? And I'm asking, I'm I'm repeating the question time and time again because the word believe is a word that requires an action. So if you believe it, then you're saying that you live it. To believe it is to live it, right? So Jesus doesn't say here, again, that when one believes in him, he or she will never experience physical death. Jesus states there in verse 25 that he who believes in me Though he may die, he says there, he shall live. You see, unless the Lord Jesus returns in our lifetime, death is sure. You and I will die unless we are taken out of here in what the Bible calls the rapture, when the Lord will come and take his believers away, those that believe in him away. But if that doesn't happen in our lifetime, then just like all others before us, the day of our death will come as well. But you see, when people die, it is their bodies that die. Their organs stop functioning or they stop breathing because their lungs stop functioning, their heart stops beating, right? Their liver, their brain, cancer kills them. Whatever it may be, whatever physical ailment takes us off of this earth. But you see, there's far more to this life than what we see with our eyes. You see, these words that Jesus spoke, the words that are written down in the pages of scripture in the pages of the the Bible, these words are spirit and they are life. They bring life within us. Now, let me show you something else here this morning. I'm going to still keep you here in the Gospel of John, but I want you now to turn to chapter three. John chapter 3 John chapter 3 and in verse 1 a familiar story it says there was a man of the pharisees pharisees named nicodemus a ruler of the jews Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So Jesus very clearly points out to this man Nicodemus, that in order for a person to see the kingdom of God, they must be born not only physically, but also they must be born a second time, that is, born again, that's where we get that term from, born again spiritually. And remember, the words of God are spirit and life. Now, I want you to keep this in mind, this topic here of being born again of the Spirit, but go ahead now, and I want you to find the book of 1 Thessalonians toward the back of your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and if you find one book that begins with the letter T, you're close because they're all together there. We're looking for 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and looking down at verse 23. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now pause right there because it's important to take note of that word completely there. The Apostle Paul is the one that wrote this letter to people that were believers in Jesus Christ that lived back in that time in a city called Thessalonica. And he is telling them here how God can sanctify their entire being. But what is it that our entire being consists of? Well, let's read the whole verse this time. It says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, what is our whole being? What what do we consist of? You and I are spirit, soul. And body, okay? Now, of course, we live in a world where the majority of the emphasis is placed on the body, right? The outward appearance, what we look like, what we put on. But you see, this is important. The Bible book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7 says that the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay, you see, you and I are not just the body. We are spirit, soul, and body. And as it is listed here, should be the order, the order of importance to you and me. We should care most about who we are spiritually, then our soul. And then our body. You see, your spirit is the very core of who you are. In John chapter 4, Jesus stated that God is spirit. And when we worship God, we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. Mankind, you and me, were told in Scripture, were created in the image of God. So therefore, we are spirit as well. Our spirit, though, is either in darkness or it is in light. It is either good or evil, dead or alive. You see, you can be physically alive, but still be spiritually dead. But you see, the only way that our spirit can have abundant life is by being born again of the Spirit, coming to know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ within us. We are all obviously born of the flesh, or we wouldn't be sitting here, but we all must be born again of the Spirit in order to see the kingdom of God and have eternal life with God. But that's our spirit, the very core of our being. Our soul is the personality part of us, the individuality part of us, if you will, our mind, our will, our emotions, with the soul we Think, we reason. With the soul, we laugh and we cry. With the soul, we choose the attitudes from which we will live this life. We can go through life with good attitudes or bad attitudes or whatever, right? And that's all the soul part of us. And then, of course, there's our bodies, right, which are the physical component of our being. We are fleshly formed out of the dust of the ground originally by God, right? Our bodies, of course, start out as babies. Then we grow and mature, and then we ultimately begin to deteriorate. And eventually the body dies, decomposes and returns back to the earth from which God formed it in the first place. The body is only a part of who we are it is not all of who we are and you can't go through this life thinking that all you are is a body you'd be missing out on all that your creator God has for you if you do so now the point that I'm trying to get you to see right now is that when Jesus was speaking to Martha back in John chapter 11 about being able to live and never die Again, he's not speaking of these bodies that we now dwell in. If we've been born again of the Spirit, we will someday obtain new bodies. And what they will be like, we do not yet know. But we we do know that we will be like Jesus, our risen Lord. And we do know that people were able to see and to touch Jesus after he rose from the dead. So we have some idea of what our new bodies will look like, but we must pay extreme attention to the fact that we are spiritual beings, and we must choose whether we will live eternally with God or not. And we must make a choice as to whether we will have that abundant life within us or not, right? And that choice to live eternally with God is based on whether or not we believe Jesus is who he said he was, the resurrection and the life, right? You see, there is something that makes us dead spiritually, and that is sin. And the fact of the matter is, is that we have all sinned, the Bible says, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Sin separates us from a holy God. God is the author of all that is, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of mankind. God is holy. And at one time, mankind was in his presence and could walk with God in the Garden of Eden, but mankind was disobedient to God and blatantly did what God told them not to do, and this caused them to die spiritually. Disobedience to God makes us dead spiritually. So, are you obedient to God today? Are you obedient to his written word? It starts with being born again, repenting, of a life of disobedience to God and then fully committing your li- your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and walking by faith in Jesus Christ all the way till the end of this life. Remember Jesus said of himself like I quoted earlier that he is the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through him. You see the resurrection is not just something like to commemorate one day a year. The resurrection For the born-again believer in Jesus Christ is 365 days a year. God is not calling you to a religion. He does not call anyone to religion. By His Spirit, He is calling you to faith in Jesus Christ and faith in what He has done for you. He was crucified. He was dead and He was buried. All for you. Not the you that you see in the mirror, but the you that he sees, again, God sees you differently. And he rose from the dead. And by his Holy Spirit, he will come indwell you. The kingdom of God will be in you, Jesus said. He wants to be alive and well within you, but you must be born again. You must be raised from the dead spiritually. One last set of scriptures I'll have you look at me with this morning. Um, Let's turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Find Philippians chapter 3. Of course, this is another book written by the Apostle Paul, right? And Paul in this chapter here is proclaiming that he is seeking after something. He's seeking after righteousness, that he longed to be righteous in the sight of God. At one time, the Apostle Paul thought that the law, that his religion that he followed, he thought that 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 made him righteous in the sight of God. And many people make the same mistake today. They think that their religion gets them into heaven when they die or simply if their bad outweighs their good, well, then they're going to go to heaven. But Paul also thought that his academic achievements, right, within his religion, his theological knowledge, he thought that that made him righteous. But here in chapter 3 of Philippians, and starting in verse 8, he says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost, of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. You see, many people strive in this life to attain. Some strive after material things like houses and cars and careers and status and prestige. And they look at the outward appearance, and that's what they chase after in this life. Others simply strive to feel good about themselves, right? The world is full of self-help books that encourage you to be all that you can be. Climb the highest mountains, search for greater meaning in life, all of this stuff that's written out there. But the gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to die to ourselves to take up the cross, and to follow after him, right? We then will be made spiritually alive when we do. We will be spiritually resurrected from the dead. Paul understood this as he spoke these words. You see, before a resurrection, there must first come a death. With your soul, with your mind, your will, and your emotions, You let go of control in your life. And this is what it means to die to yourself and to give yourself over to the Lord God. This is what Paul is speaking of here when he says that he is conformed to the death of Jesus Christ. To conform means to make yourself similar to Romans chapter 12 states that we are not to be conformed to this world. In other words, we're not to be just like all the world around us. If we proclaim to be believers, well, then we're living a different life. We're living a set-apart life, right? We're to be transformed, Romans 12 says, by the renewing of our minds, so that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is this the desire of your heart this morning? To know the will of God for your life, your creator. Again, you are either conformed to this world that is similar to this world, or you are conformed to the death of Christ. And you've died to yourself and you've been made alive spiritually. You will then, when you do that, you then experience the resurrection power within your life the abundant life that Christ has promised for you. Not just one day a year, but 365 days a year for the rest of your life. The power of the resurrection will transform you because the Spirit of the living God will indwell you and Christ, the resurrection, will be in you and you will have abundant life because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But it all starts with not being focused on yourself, not being focused on the outside you and what you make out of your life, but pay more attention to the you that God sees, the internal you. And when you truly take an honest look at yourself, you will see your wretchedness and you will see your need for a savior. And when you make the decision to commit to him, that is to fully believe with all your heart in him you will then be born again. Remember, a stone had to be rolled away for Jesus to come out of the tomb. But don't let there be a stone in front of your heart today. Whatever has blocked the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the abundant life, right? whatever has blocked that from your heart, whatever that stone may be, It could be religion. It could be philosophies that you grew up with, just the way you've thought and the way you've always thought about things or whatever. But something that maybe has hardened you like a rock, put a stone in front of your heart so that you don't know the power of God and you don't know this abundant life that Jesus Christ has for you. Well, today's the day to let the stone be rolled away, rolled away, right? And you can know the resurrection within you and you will come to know the abundant life with the risen Lord. So today many people participate in Easter celebrations. For some, it's about bunnies and baskets, right? It's It's a day to, for others, it's a day to remember the facts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I exhort you this morning to remember not only the facts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but what are the effects of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on your life individually? What are the effects? How has the resurrection of Christ affected you? Right? Jesus has shown us who He is. He is the resurrection and the life, but the question still remains, do you believe this? Do you live this out every day of your life, 365 days a year? Let's pray. Lord God, again, we thank you for your holy word, God, in which we can find truth. Lord, you are the truth. Lord, you are the way. You are the life. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us, Lord. But Lord, again, before there's a resurrection, we must first die to ourselves, lay down our lives and give our lives to you and have you come into our hearts and be Lord of all. And faith is a, to believe means to, to act upon something, Lord. So I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, and for those that will listen via the Internet, Lord, that by your Spirit, that your truth would prevail in our hearts. And God, that we would make the commitment to to serve you and to seek you. And to give our lives fully over to you, Lord. Thank you that you are alive and well. You ever live to make intercession for us. You ascended into heaven and someday in like manner, you're coming again, Lord. One way or the other, whether we we die or whether we see your return, Lord, with our eyes, Lord, someday we'll see you face to face. And Lord, we thank you that you have made all that possible because you have died for our sin, that we might have the opportunity to receive eternal life. So thank you for this time together in your word and thank you for this blessed day. In Jesus' name, amen.